ears to good friends. Cheers. 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 Hmm. That's sort of an oaky afterbirth. What was that? She did tell me to uh, get a beer and some cheese fries over at Eskimo Joe's. That's very nice, lovely. I only hope you feel this way when I'm done. Because I could destroy this night in two seconds. Why is that funny? <laughs> well, I think it's a bit funny to be trying to define nothing. <laughs> Smooth as a bourbon on a summer day. Strong as a peated scotch in the winter night. This is a fair warning. The Catholic Man Show is about to begin. Slap some bacon on a biscuit and let's go. We're burning daylight. Welcome to the Catholic Command Show. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side, so raise your glass. Happy Advent, or Merry Christmas, depending on when you are listening to this. Yeah. Dude, it's coming up. Can't wait. I love Jesus. I'm a big fan. Uh, we, I had a little bit of Advent caroling this evening mm. with Anna and a couple of her like little flowers. How'd it go? What was your lineup? So we, we started off with uh, Joy to the World. Okay. Then we went to Jingle Bells. Yeah. Then we went to uh, O Come All Ye Faithful. Mm. Then We Wish You a Merry Christmas. What's your favorite Christmas song? Um, that is a good question. Yeah. I know a lot of your mood has a lot to do with, you know, like your favorite yeah. song's kind of like at the time often, but do you have a favorite? I don't think I, so. I have a favorite. What That's is it? I ask. God rest ye merry, gentlemen. That's that's not. It's a deep track. Uh, it's just a great song. Like it's a deep. You, you it's listen a deep to track it. It's like Christmas. yeah, this is. It's fun to sing. Uh, it's like real Christmas music. Yeah, you know. I don't know. I don't know what my favorite. You know what? I, I'll be honest with you. Don't like a lot of Christmas songs. Really? No. I, just, I love. There are some Christmas songs I don't like. Uh, and for instance, I I believe I'm on record hating a particular Christmas song, which is also. One of the most popular Christmas songs of all time, Feliz Navidad. I think that song is stupid. <laughs> I don't know why anybody likes it. It's like, okay, you know what it reminds me of is that song, Jesus is my friend. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is my friend. It's like, yeah, let's just say the same thing the over and over and over again. You would not like... Feliz Navidad. You would not like Boomer sooner then. You know, it's like... They sing the Feliz Navidad, like, ooh, that hit well. Let's do that again. Feliz Navidad. Ooh, keep it going. <laughs> Feliz Navidad. You know, it's like, gotcha. Thank you. Yes, we understand. What, what a shallow song. Like, it's a great thing to wish someone Merry Christmas. I just think that song is stupid. Um, Fair. Uh, Ivanka Trump, when she was first lady. Uh, uh, Melania, I'm sorry. Whoa. <laughs> I know. That's a big mistake. <laughs> Oh, you just definitely don't want to do that in yeah, front of the guy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> now my story is going to sound weird because I was about to say like, oh, the moment where I really like liked her mm. and I got her name wrong. Mm. Uh, but, you know, she was in the White House. They asked her what her favorite Christmas song was. Didn't, didn't, didn't miss a beat. She said Silent Night. And I was like, yes. 
Yeah, I like that uh, one. I do like that one. And that was just like, that's a good one to have as your favorite Christmas song. Anyway, don't like Jingle Bells, really. I find that one um, annoying. It's the one that kids, all the kids, every yeah. kid it's loves kid. Jingle Bells. And I'm fine with kids. Right. And you know, you have, I get it. They have the, the, the sleigh bells and they get to ring them as they right. do it. And that's like the fun part for them. Now, I, it just I, doesn't really have anything to do with Jesus. I, I will tell you, you this, know? though. Ironically, when I say I, I, did not, I don't really like a lot of Christmas songs, really big fan of caroling. Oh, yeah. I, I know we've talked we talked about just this last the year. joy people answer the right. the door and they're like, oh, I'm I mean, being Christmas caroled too. Uh, we went, uh, I think we went eight for eight t- tonight. All all uh, home. Uh, no, I think we were probably ten. Were you going like getting in the car, going to one person's no. house? You, no, we walked. Okay, so you're just in one area mm-hmm. and only ten houses. Yes, uh, we we picked and tr- like if they had Christmas lights on, uh-huh. we went we went there. You didn't have Christmas lights on, we skipped your house. You're a Scrooge. Yeah, so. Uh, but we went 10 for 10. No one shut the door on us. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody opened that we, we knocked on. And just seeing the the joy that it brings, it is such an easy thing to do. Yeah, like we've had people cry. Right. And I don't know. I mean, to me, like those are the moments where you realize as Christians, it's not that hard to evangelize. Yeah, you know, and it does take a little bit of effort to organize, yeah. you know, and get people like, hey, this is what we're going to do. You know, pick out a system. We're going to do this. It takes a little bit of effort. Not a whole lot, right? But it does to take bring, but a to bring, bit. you know, you know, Christ's joy to, to execute. Others. But man, it's actually very easy to do, and it also is a memory, built, like a, a, like a tradition that your kids will remember totally. growing up. When you do, when you start off, you're like a little bit nervous. I remember when we when we started doing it the mm-hmm. first time. It's like, how's this gonna go? Right. You know, it, you know, you realize. Hey, are, are you going to come over to, to the neighborhood still? And, and I would love to. We need okay. to do it this week. Yeah, I know. It's um, going to get cold. Cause, and Yeah, because next week, you guys, I know your family plans get, yeah. get crazy after Christmas. But right. um, yeah, because it could, you're, you become very aware, this could go very badly. Right. This could really bomb. Uh, and hopefully it doesn't scar emotionally with, some, with the some kids. Some really <laughs> embarrassing, right. you know, people slamming the door in your face and like, Okay, I feel I feel the Christmas spirit now, you know. Right. But in our experience, at least here in good old Oklahoma, America, you know, uh, it was just amazing. Yeah, it really every is. every time we've done it. My uh, Anna is a big fan of it. She loves singing. She loves performing in general. She, yeah, she takes after her mother in that way. Right, real um, class clown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not at all. Um, but uh, but she does love it. Well, it, Haley isn't. Haley, Anna, Anna. <laughs> yeah. The other day, I was asked. I told my kids, "Well, you're the class clown. You're the only one in your class, so you must be the class clown. You gotta be, and the valedictorian. Yeah." And I, then I told him that and it said, also, you're the dumbest one in your class. <laughs> when I said that, really? Mary looked at me like, what? It's like, well, you're the only one, once again. So, And you questioning this. You're really the smartest confirms. and the no. dumbest. <laughs> See, told you. <ya. laughs> yeah. All right. Nothing about a confidence booster. Okay. So <laughs> tonight, uh, tonight we're going to uh, drink a, a, a uh, new, they used to do a, you know, every year come out with a, a different type of limited edition limited release yeah they used to call it something different but now they call it uh tale of the something so now this okay. is uh tale of the forest do you know what it was last year glimorangy i know glimorangy glimorangy like yeah i like glimorangy that's how i'm gonna say it somebody else may get upset with me because it may say glim glim glimorangy whatever i don't care i thought uh, it was glimorangy well it just a bit i mean you, okay whatever yeah you know what we're talking about 
Uh, so it's, it's a Highland Scotch. Uh, it's Tale of the Forest. I think the last one was uh, Tale. It was called like Tale of the Winter something. I don't remember. Okay. But um, this one is uh, unique because he brings in woodland botanicals into the mix. What is a botanical? Uh, like flowers, you know, flowers. Right? yeah, flowers. Does it? Do they put flowers in? Now I I try to look that up, the and they say they don't know exactly how they incorporate it into the distilling process. So I don't know it's exactly. Just, it's just not public information. Pu- yeah, at least not where I was, you know, looking. But it has uh, juniper berries, birch bark, heather blossoms. The result of this single malt is a lush. Uh, is as lush as the forest itself. Aromas of pine and juniper are laced with wisps of smoke. Notes of deep green eucalyptus uh, lit by rays of bitter orange drift into a gentle oaky finish. Hmm. One of the Lord's team? The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers to Jesus. Cheers. Cheers, Jim. That has, yeah, it has a really interesting finish. Um... So on the nose, no, that's not what I was expecting. On the nose, it does have a little bit of smoke, but not a heavy, dense peat smoke. More of a like hmm. uh, campfire smoke, a little ways like away, hundred feet away. Okay, I'm not getting. I don't pick up any smoke, but yeah, it definitely I, has. Some. I believe you. Um, so anyway, it, it's uh, it's about 90, 90 bucks, eighty five to ninety five dollars, depending where you live. But it's the limited release. Hmm. Uh, you know, so they always try to do a little something a little different. You know, they. You know, the limited it releases a, it's are very, very light. It's light on the palate, forty-six percent. But they always try to do something, you know, unique. Yeah, kind of push the envelope is what most of these these uh, people. Yeah, do. and you know, you're you're almost always going to pay more for some of these limited releases. Sure. You know, yeah. um, but if you if you really like Highlands Glenmorangie is really you're not gonna you can't miss, I think, with Glenmorangie. Everything that they put out is it's like, wow, all right, that's good. Now, it might be more than you want to pay for it sometimes, you know. Uh, but they have, they, have some, huh. they have plenty of stuff that's in the 40 to 60 range, you know. It's not Correct. not all of their stuff is expensive. Their La Santa is really, really good. Yeah, yeah, that one is good. If you like sherry casks, uh-huh. it's really good. But isn't that, so this is isn't that interesting? interesting? This it's, is an interesting, yes. It doesn't taste like what what I expected it to, anyway. It has the, he- the Heather... Uh, Really, it comes out more mm. so than the juniper. Like I thought, the juniper I like to try to work the word heather into my daily conversation. I'm not very good at it. Yeah, I haven't heard you say it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Probably ever bad. It's, yeah, but it's something I try to do. Uh, Jim, on the yummy scale, what do you think? Uh, it's like four yummies. Four, four yummies. yummies. No, I don't even know what I, that means. Uh, now remind you? me, Jim, because I think it used to be like out of three. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know what four I, yummies I do, mean. I, I do know that we I recently. We recently updated the, you know, updates were made. Scale. Yeah, like everybody got like a thing where they had to, uh, you know, like ter- the terms and conditions had been changed. You know, right. you get the email. That, I just hit accept. I right. didn't read it. You know, it's like. I'm you, sorry, I didn't read it. You have, you know, like being notified. Everything else. But out of how many yummies, approximately? Four. I like the smoky. So it's four out of four yummies. Oh, wow. You heard it, folks. Right here on the Catholic Man Show. Four to four yummies for Glenmorangie, A Tale of the Forest. For Jim. Juan's not here, so we can't get his opinion tonight. So. Wow. All right. We're talking about the incarnation tonight. Is that correct? Yes. We're talking about Jesus. I love Jesus. Big fan. Especially baby Jesus. I like adult Jesus. Yeah, he's cool too.
The hosts of the Catholic Man Show have produced a practical, helpful, and spiritual uplifting book that helps parents make the connection between church and the domestic church. Living Beyond Sunday, Making Your Home a Holy Place reminds every Catholic family of their daily duties, responsibilities, and privileges to help each other become saints. That endorsement is from Father Leo Padalingha. Go check out our new book from Ascension Press. You can go to ascensionpress.com or just Google Living Beyond Sunday, Making Your Home a Holy Place. Pick one up for you, for your family, for your friends. And if you enjoyed it, make sure to leave a review so that way others can be made aware of the book as well. We want to thank Father Leo Padalinghug for his endorsement of our book, Living Beyond Sunday, Making Your Home a Holy Place. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan and Jim Bo Baggins in the house. We are San Juan today. Oh, there's Jim's hand. You could see it. What a nice hand. So we are talking about the incarnation today, drinking a little bit of Glenmorangie, A Tale of the Forest. You can go check us out on the on, on the YouTubes. Subscribe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was talking to somebody just the other day who said, wait, your whole episode isn't uploaded to the podcast? No, it's not. In between segments, you would be able to get uh, on YouTube. You do not get... Uh, you don't podcast. get you don't get the most sarcastic remarks, right? Or heretical uh, ones. Yeah, well, you don't get those hopefully ever, <laughs> unless they're once again done sarcastically. But uh, you know, you get some we, you get some good behind the scenes stuff, uh, commentary. If you ever think, do they really act that way all the time? Yeah, it gives you the opportunity. Go <laughs> check it out. Jim's like, yes. <laughs> Okay, so uh, talking about the incarnation today, I think for obvious reasons, we were we're on the precipice of the Christmas season. That's another word I try to work into my daily life. A lot better at pulling that one off than Heather. Than Heather. Yeah, yeah. Your wife probably appreciates that more too. Who's this Heather? You yeah, he's talking, talking about. He's been talking about Heather lately. I think I should be nervous. <laughs> um, but we we stand on the precipice of the Christmas season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um second most joyful season of the year. Obviously, Easter can't beat Easter. Cannot beat that. But Christmas brings its own its own flavor of joy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, it's uh, like such a hopeful season. Um, Easter, to me, obviously Easter is a hopeful season, but not in the same way, right? Because it, it, you're standing there in Easter, Christ is risen. It's done, baby. There's nothing to hope for now. I mean, like, not that you just don't need hope because hey he did it he pulled it off you still need to hope for your own salvation right but the salvation has been won at that point the price has been paid it's ready mm-hmm. you know the grace is just sitting there waiting for you to cash in and the easter season it's like all right the messiah is born you know and you look forward to his mission on earth with a lot of hope does your prayer life look different in the two different seasons Yes, it does. Um, I do try to, you know, ponder those mysteries. Um, like the other day, not very recently, we had the um, Immaculate Conception, the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. And I was really struck that day um, just about how great Our Lady is, our mother, and how we as the rest of humanity just don't deserve her. He was, She was made and given all of these special graces in view of the Incarnation, and the the you know the saving work of Christ on the cross, 
And she was made specifically to be the mother of Jesus, okay? She's his mother. She's the, she's the mother that he deserved, not that she was worthy of him, but she was, per, she was a perfect mother, okay? And Christ deserved a perfect mother. The rest of us don't, okay? And yet, on the cross, as he's sitting there giving us everything, he even gives us his mom. You know, like literally everything he had to give, he gave to us on the cross. St. John had, had to be nervous about that. I have no idea. I have just cannot even imagine like, what he was feeling. Behold your mother, John. And he's like, okay. Okay. Knowing who, like, yeah. how amazing she is. I mean, and also just think about it, that they would have known her person. All of right. them would have known her personally. And um, what that must have been like mm-hmm. for them to know Mary and, I mean, obviously to know Jesus. Right. But the relationship and the insight this is this is why Mary is so important. The insight into who Jesus was uh, from knowing Mary, you know, Mary is is important because of Jesus. If there's no Jesus, Mary's not important. Mm-hmm. She's not important in and of herself. Um, we honor her because of her relationship with. I mean, it, Mariology is Christocentric. Correct. You know that. Um, Mary, we honor her, and she's so important in your spiritual life because of her role with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, so, same with all the saints and the right? saints, all but, of it. I mean, to yeah, a yeah, lesser yeah. degree. Yes, exactly. I mean, Hyperdulia, yeah. dulia. Like, right. I'm not. Yeah. Same. Same in kind. Right. But in Le- less degree. Less in, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but just the fact that he gave us his mother. Yeah. Uh, you know. So yes, my prayer life. I try mm-hmm. to enter into the season. You know, with a wide varying degrees of success. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you? Yes, I continue to have in my you know, silent meditation this vision uh, or, the, you know, this, uh, my imagination working through uh, in my prayer of her welcoming me into the, you know, into the cave or into the, the, the um, manger scene uh-huh. um, and then like showing me towards the manger and like letting me like adore Jesus and like her putting her hand on my shoulder and like St. Joseph right behind me as well. Like, and we're all like there adoring baby Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know like why that's that, but that's just always like what my meditation looks like during yeah. this time. It's the same thing basically every time. Uh, sometimes I get a little bit of, um, uh, just a little bit of insights of di- in, in varying ways, but most of the time it's just the exact same thing. So this is, I think, why it's so important to cultivate a healthy imagination as an adult. Um, because if your mind is just constantly distracted by screen time, mm-hmm. um, by entertainment, by noise, mm-hmm. then your mind is not free to, um, to play. Um, you know, like right. in heaven, heaven... I've been told we'll be like play, like we will be at play in heaven. Um, yeah, like true rest. Yeah, like a real leisure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, if your mind is distracted, if you if you don't cultivate uh, the imagination, but with with good stories, mm-hmm. with with silence, you know all the things that we've talked about right. so many times. Yeah, I mean, like Mary has this, this beautiful warm glow about her. Mm-hmm. Saint Joseph is like looking at him. Like looking down, like super proud as a proud dad, like look adoring at Jesus. You know, you have hay and manger scene. I mean, it's just like it's very vivid in my imagination. Uh, happens the same way 
basically every time. I have images like that in my they they never change, but they never they never grow tired either. Let me tell you, it's much more relaxing than my uh, meditations during Lent. It's exhausting. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, uh, meditating basically on like the agony of the garden, the scourging of the pillar, the crowning of the door, like all these, the, the stations of the cross, you know. Yeah, it's uh, a little overwhelming. There's just so much there, you know. Uh, in the beginning, I think when you first start praying the rosary, the sorrowful mysteries are the easiest to meditate on mm-hmm. because there's, Without a doubt. there's meat to grab onto, right? Like right. everybody knows suffering. Right. Uh, you can relate to. But yeah, like then as you get more practiced at it, it's like, you know what? prefer the joyful it's a little bit more yeah right. can you imagine though uh after mary you know saying yes and, and being conceived uh through the holy spirit and then tell the holy spirit telling her or the, the angel telling her uh you're now going to go to elizabeth and all this is happening to her and to, and to joseph mm-hmm. and she still puts other people other people's needs ahead of her own she's carrying the christ child you know you she's probably like well, I would be at least in my imperfect nature, like very anxious and like wanting to get things ready and think like I would yeah. be worrying about myself. No, I need to stay like here and get, and get ready. But she says, I no, can't risk it. I want to, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be there for other people. So mm-hmm. like, that's a beautiful thought, I think, in like when you're meditating the visitation. I've to, often, to, I've often wondered about like, kind of, and it's kind of surprised that St. Joseph let her go. Uh, because, you know, she would have needed to ask permission from him before she just left i would assume he went with her uh i don't think she, i don't i don't know maybe he did i i i kind of feel like the tradition is that she went by herself but um that just doesn't seem likely like what like traveling by yourself well, like women that. women would have i mean this is a common practice culturally at her time at the time where family members when you were pregnant they would come and stay with you for a kind of an extended period we help mm-hmm. you get ready for mm-hmm. the baby. Mm-hmm. The the men, I mean, maybe he went, dropped her off, and came back. That that could, but yeah, the men weren't going to be going and staying. They got work to do. But she may have been like, you think she had morning sickness? I don't know. I don't think so. Didn't seem. I, I'm I'm guessing that she did not have any of the like common sufferings that go along with pregnancy because well, at least discomfort. She had to have a discomfort, like being pregnant uh-huh. is, is uncomfortable. I'm assuming. It looks uncomfortable at yeah, times. Yeah, but, uh, you know, so like... It's also hot. A lot of those, you know... Seems like it's very hot. A lot of the pains that go with childbirth, maybe even the discomfort, you know, are as a result of original sin, she was conceived without it. So maybe she didn't, you know? Maybe she, she bore it effortlessly. I don't know. One thing I really like to do is go back to a book I've mentioned many times. It's called The Life of Mary as Seen by the Mystics and read that, like, basically from the... Uh, Annunciation up to the Nativity this week. It's something is on my agenda, just because you get a lot of this insight that Mary gave to these mystics about her own life personally and um, like her own interior disposition in certain moments, mm-hmm. you know, and how she was feeling, what her th- what thoughts she was dwelling on, mm-hmm. um, like you know, the w- they are there trying to find an in and. Mary is sitting there rejoicing that they don't have a place to stay, that they get to like live out poverty. It was very important to her. You know, and she was encouraging Joseph, like, this is, you know, great, you know, good. We can continue to live this mission that we've just trusted de- dedicated yeah. ourselves to. And that's awesome. Um, yeah. And just her obedience to Joseph is so inspiring. 
hey, know. Did you know uh, Paul Thigpen just put out a new book by Tan called? Uh, he did the same thing, but with Saint Joseph. Oh, really? Saint Joseph's life as seen by the mystics, and he compiled everything. No kidding. Yes. In fact, we're gonna have him on at the Catholic Man Show next year. Yeah. In uh, October, I believe. We're gonna have him come out. Uh, he's gonna give a talk. Come on the Catholic Man Show. Talk about the uh, the mystical uh, visions wow, of Saint Joseph. That's so amazing. I'm gonna have to get that book right away. Okay. Let's keep talking about Jesus on the other side of this break. Great idea. Think of the men in your life, your brother, your father-in-law, your neighbor, your coworker, the guy who sits in front of you in in mass every single Sunday. How are you going to help these guys find freedom as sons of God and help them start living the Christian life? I mean, that's what we're called to do in baptism, right? And one concrete way we can do that to make disciples of men is invite them to Exodus 90 that begins January 9th, 2023. Exodus 90 leads men on a 90-day journey through the book of Exodus taking them back to the fundamentals of the faith. This is prayer, self-denial, and brotherhood. Dave, the crazy thing is 99% of the people who do Exodus 90 report greater freedom from worldly attachments when they finish. And what's more, doing Exodus 90 in a fraternity versus going it alone can actually make or break a man's 90 days. Right. So again, ask yourself, who are the men in your life that could benefit from doing Exodus 90 this year? Think of their faces in your mind. Right now. Now, outside of your mind, write them down. Make an actual list. The worst thing they can do is say no to you. That's right. And then take action. Take the list of prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit about it and ask the Holy Spirit how you can help them. The Exodus 90 team has created a free resource. This guide will help you in your journey to freedom and help you share the journey with other men. Check out exodus90.com slash catholicmanshow to get your free guide. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. Sipping on a little Glenmorangie Tale of the Forest Highland malt, single malt scotch. You know, I think this is this is getting even better as I sip on it more and more. Sign of a good scotch. Some some scotches, you know, you you dive in and you're like, wow, that's awesome. And then as you like continue to enjoy it. They really it kind of loses, out. yeah, it loses some of its initial fervor. Mm-hmm. To me, this is uh, Persevering. Set, settling in a nice direction. Nice. I agree. I think it's good. I think it's great. I think it's good. Yeah. I would have trouble buying it personally just because of the price tag. Mm-hmm. I'd have trouble buying it for myself. Uh, I'd probably be more likely to buy it for someone else. I don't know if... Are we still going to do the baby bottle, by the way? Oh, man, I totally forgot. Yes. Yes, we need to. Okay. Anyway, we'll talk about that off. Don't let me forget. I just did. I mean, I'm going to need more help. <laughs> okay. So, let's talk about the incarnation. Big fan. Um, also a big fan. I was telling you uh, before we started uh, this, is like anytime we talk about the incarnation, because I actually just talked about this with uh, Bishop Condola on uh, my other podcast that I have. Tells the time with Bishop Connolly. I cannot. You know what? I still feel a little betrayed about that. That I didn't invite you on? No. That you have another podcast. I thought we had something special. <laughs> and now I realize that, nope. That you'll just have a podcast with anyone. Like a bishop. Like a, a successor to the apostles. I'm just saying. Right. Uh, and 
No, actually, every, everyone should check it out. It's a great podcast. <laughs> really, the bishop. Uh, we have. A, I'm just always impressed by bishops' comments. Uh, I'm a big fan of our bishop, and especially if you're in the diocese, you kind of have a you don't have a duty. Um, but you know, I think, hey, your bishop is, is producing a podcast, and it's very short. Yep. You know, you got kind of no excuses not to listen to it. So. Yeah, and uh, you know, we talked actually about this very topic, you know, the incarnation. And he brought he brought up many good points as he you know as he does as he's um, apt to do as he's apt to do. But I just uh, it helped me to recollect all the the beauty that uh, that John Paul II gave us uh, in his writings mm. to help us yeah. understand the incarnation is kind of his sweet spot, right? I mean, that was like his first encyclical, right? Was, right. Uh, in fact, I have it right here: um, the Redeemer of Man, Redemptor Humanus, Humanus. Um, hum- what is it? Homina, hominus. I don't know. I don't. Hominus. Hominus. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a Latin guy. Yeah. Um, I tried, but I'm not. Right. Uh, Redeemer man, though. But you know, and mm. this was like his very first thing that he was talking about, like how you know Christ fully reveals himself to man by becoming a human. Like he Christ shows fully reveals man to himself so, and makes his supreme so, calling clear. Right. Yeah. And. By uh, virtue of the incarnation, the theology of the body entered the scene through the main door. Through the main door, yeah. That's Christopher West right there. No, but that was him quoting John Paul II. Mm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, yeah. So, I mean, he just gives us this understanding of the the dignity that we have as, as human because we're made in the image. It's incredible. Right. The image and likeness of God. Yeah. Right. And that we're, we have this beautiful dignity. Uh, given to us as a gift. And so this is why uh, sin is such a terrible thing, right? Because we're selling our dignity for something so much less yeah. than what we are, right? You know, so when we, you know, look at pornography or we, you know, uh, backbite or we, you know, belittle our wives or our children or we steal or what, whatever we, you know, whatever sin it is. You know, or, or become gluttons. Yeah, become gluttons. Let our appetites, you know, control control us. We're we're selling our dignity for for something that's so cheap. Yeah, you know that that's not really human. That's not fully human, mm-hmm. and uh, you, it's very hard to understand this if you yeah. don't understand the gift that God gave us to give His Son to us to come as a human uh, into this world. And I think a lot of people don't. This. A lot of people don't under. They're just not familiar with it. I was going to say don't understand it. I mean. I'm not sure I understand it, but I think a lot of people just are not even aware of the personal significance of the incarnation, right? That they think, oh yeah, well, Jesus came to save us, and he did. But, you know, apart from the fact that, you know, I have the grace, of, I, um, I have now the, uh, the grace of forgiveness available to me for my sins, you know, it doesn't really have anything to do with me. That's something he did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to try to get to that today. Because that's obviously the that's the important part of the incarnation. Um, I thought it might be fitting to start with some Aquinas. Man, I love Aquinas. He's pretty, I, uh, he's pretty great. I wish that I understood him better. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so does everybody. But speaking of fittingness, I want to ask you. I'm going to ask you the questions that he asks himself, <laughs> and I want to see if you get close to the thing that he says. The first question is whether the incarnation was fitting. My answer would be, I answer that 
Mm-hmm. And Very would, good. And then I would say the right answer. Very good. So far, you're 100%. And then I would say the right answer. Yeah. So uh, he says yes. He says yes, it was fitting. Mm-hmm. Um, he asks an- another question whether it was necessary. Okay, so, but first, let's say, you know, if it was fitting. Yes, but it wouldn't be necessary. I mean, he could do it in many different ways. Right, that's what he says. Well, he says it, it was necessary and it wasn't necessary. But on the question of fittingness, he says to each thing that is befitting, which belongs to it by reason of its very nature, um, thus to reason befits man, since this belongs to him because of his rational nature. Uh, but the very nature of God is goodness, and it is clear um, that from Dionysus, what belongs to the essence of goodness befits God, but it belongs to the essence of goodness to communicate itself to others, as is plain from Dionysus. Hence, it belongs to the essence of the highest good to communicate itself in the highest manner to the creature, and this is brought about chiefly by his so joining created nature to himself that one person is made up that one person is made up of these three the word a soul and flesh st augustine says so basically he says yes it was fitting because it was like the best way to do it um, he could have done it then the next question he asks is whether it was necessary for the restoration of the human race that the word of god become incarnate so i would say so i would answer that uh, it is not necessary, but like you said, it, because it's fitting, it'd be, it is the best way. Yeah, he, I really like his answer here. Sometimes his answers are kind of hard to understand. That last one is like, can you say it without so many, like, can you just say it plainly? This one, he, why, he, why don't you talk to me like I'm five? Right. <laughs> this one, he answers, he answers plainly. A thing is said to be necessary for a certain end in two ways. First, when the end cannot be without it as food is necessary for the preservation of human life, and secondly, when the end is attained better and more conveniently, as a horse is necessary for a journey. Obviously, it's it's less good of an example these days, right? (laughs) Um, So you can see how, but that's still two different ways. And so in the first way, it was not necessary that God should become incarnate for the restoration of our human nature. Um, for God, in his omnipotent power, could have restored human nature in many other ways. Right, but he did it this way to show us how much, uh, in his eyes, we right. like how much dignity we have, how valuable we are to him. Yeah. Yeah, so I think he did it this way because it was the way... Or how much he loved how, how much he loved this is us. The way, yeah, this is the way that involved the most love. Love, right. That's a better way to put it than... Yeah, so he says in the second way, it was necessary Sorry, that my God... Cho- my chops are a little off tonight. That's okay. He said it was necessary that God should become incarnate for the restoration of human nature um, just because it was uh, the most convenient for his purposes you mm-hmm. know, to show humanity how much we are loved. Okay, so if a man, if man had not sinned, would God still have become incarnate? Hmm. That's a wonderful question. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful question because... Christ came to redeem, if there was no need to redeem, would he still need to come? Uh, I, I don't know the, I, like, I don't know. My inclination would be that uh, he didn't necessarily need to come for, to redeem purposes, but he would be, he would need to come to show us what true love is, like to see a physical manifestation of what love is. Sure. So I'm also on the yes side. 
Uh, because of a specific, there's one word in Genesis that makes me think the answer is yes. Now, I am not a Hebrew scholar. I cannot read the. I cannot read Genesis in Hebrew, and I have no idea if this specific distinction exists in the original text or not. But in the English, when when God is speaking to the snake, He says, "I will put enmity between you and the woman." Right. He doesn't say, "I will put enmity between you and a woman." Right. So and the woman is the Mary. woman. Right. He's obviously speaking of Mary, but he says it as if there already is a woman in mind, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If he said, like, oh, great, you know what? As a result, I will put enmity between you and a woman, and, hi- and her offspring will crush your, you will strike at her heel, mm-hmm. you know, but he says, the woman. Right. So to me, that implies this was not a change of plan. This was always the plan. Okay, now, um, uh, Agu- Aquinas does not specifically reference that verse, but he takes the, he takes the negative. Um, he says, he gives a, a good, I think he gives a good answer here. Um, he says, I answer that. There are different opinions about this question. For some say that even if man had not sinned, the Son of Man would have become incarnate. Others assert to the contrary, and, and our assent ought rather to be given to this opinion. I'll finish this on the other side of the break. Because he gives why, but well, I go with Aquinas then. I mean, he says he says though there are differing opinions, and th- you know I, this is just one. When opinion. I don't know, I go with Aquinas. Yeah, I mean safe, you know, safe safe territory. I mean, if you're into that kind of thing, <laughs> like clearly you're dangerous not. theology. <laughs> For over 35 years, Select International Tours has been planning pilgrimages all across the world, and they've been doing that for a reason. Yeah, if you guys have listened to our show, then you know that we just got back from Ireland. Uh, we used Select International Tours to book our pilgrimage to Ireland. Everything went just great. It went exactly how we planned it. Right. right? In fact, one of the pilgrims uh, said that it was his the best pilgrimage he's ever been on. Right. I mean, so the thing is, they know what they're doing. If, if you want to go on a nice pilgrimage uh, that's really you know oriented around experiencing the Catholic faith um, in some of the most historic, most important sites all over the world for the history of our faith, go to selectinternationaltours.com. They have pilgrimages going everywhere in the world all the time just because you know they, they do it so well, everybody wants to use them. That's right. And if you go to selectinternationaltours.com slash catholicmanshow, you'll be one of the first ones to know when we're planning our next pilgrimage, which spring or summer 2024. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah. So go to selectinternationaltours.com slash catholicmanshow. We want to thank Select International Tours for being a sponsor of our show, The Catholic Man Show. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. Avoiding material heresies since 2016. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan. We're talking about the incarnation. Sipping on some Glenmorangie, a tale of the forest. So, uh, what was uh, before the break? I was reading this respondio uh, of Augustine, talking mm-hmm. about. Uh, I do that a lot. Yes, you do. Sorry. Oh, anyway. Sometimes I let it slide. Couldn't hear. Yeah, I appreciate you're set, that. You're setting it up, so it needs to be... No, I, no, I appreciate that. And we were talking about uh, whether or not God would have become incarnate if there was no sin, 
and he says that uh, there are two opinions. One is that he still would have, and one is that he wouldn't have. And then Aquinas says that um, our assent ought rather to be given to this opinion, meaning the that he wouldn't have. For such things as spring from God's will and beyond the creatures do can be made known to us through being revealed in sacred scripture, in which the divine will is made known to us. Hence, since everywhere in sacred scripture the sin of the first man is assigned as the reason of the incarnation, it is more in accordance with this to say that the work of the incarnation was ordained by God as a remedy for sin, so that, had sin not existed, the incarnation would not have been. Although the power of God is not limited to this, even had sin not existed, God could have become incarnate. So, so he hedges his bets yeah, he, at the end. Yeah, he, I mean, because you don't know. There's right. no way to know. But he he leans towards the no, but he certainly, he doesn't close off either one. Okay. Wise and prudent man. So there's some other ones here, but I, th- I want to skip them so we can get to theosis. Ooh, I like theosis. Yes, me too. Um, so just, we were kind of talking about this during the break, but, you know, here's what's going on. Adam and Eve, they sinned. When they sinned, they pulled the fruit off of the tree and fell. What is God's response? He, he says, if that's what you desire, I, I like desire you so much. I will become what you desire in order to save you. So he himself comes and becomes our food and hangs himself on a tree and becomes the fruit of our salvation in, in a complete undoing of the original sin. Um, he makes himself the thing that we, that we desired in the beginning. All along. All along. So that um, even in our fallen nature, we might reach for him. Um, it, I mean, it's just so incredibly beautiful. Yeah. Um, the ways in which he healed our past on the cross. Um, as a you know, as a race, as a people, um, so the point of that is that he is being for us and calling us up, right? That in all other things, when we eat food, it becomes a part of us. It that food becomes more like us, uh, and that's because. I would say philosophically, because uh, the things we are consuming are of a lower nature, okay? Um, But when we consume Christ in the Eucharist, we are not consuming bread, we're not consuming flesh, we are consuming a person, a divine person, who is obviously of a higher nature. So when we receive communion especially, we become more like him, okay? So we're always called towards the higher thing. The higher thing does not come down to the lower the lower thing, unless you're Jesus. The lower thing, well, I mean, he still be, he still always remained a higher. I was just a joking. higher thing, right? I, was just I know. Joking. But when philo- f- philo- philosophical jokes are risky, bro. Okay, <laughs> sometimes they don't land. People don't. People might not know. <laughs> Wait, is that a joke or not? I'm yeah. not sure. Um, so right. So him being of a higher nature, we are called upwards. Um, you know, it's like, well, what if a dog eats a human? It's like, well, a dog actually can't eat a human person. A dog can eat the flesh of a human person, but a dog cannot eat the person. Okay, um, you, you know, like a dog might eat your arm, but uh, but he can't eat your personhood, your essence, your essence. Yeah, exactly. Which is what we do when we receive the Eucharist. We receive Christ 
per, in, in his full person, body, blood, soul, and divinity. So, what prayers do you pray whenever you uh, receive the Eucharist afterwards? Like when you go back to the pew? Um, I pray, you, my, you my, prayers, my, my prayers are not typically in words. Um, it's a, Liturgical dance. Yeah. Typically. Right. I was wondering, I thought you were having a seizure, but... Yeah. That no, makes that's, more sense. that's just my expression. Mm, and see. it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. I can only dance like that after I see the communion. <laughs> um, so we're, this is the point of the incarnation, mm-hmm. is that Christ is showing us what we are called to be. Um, we, you know, we were talking a little bit about mystics earlier, so if anybody is really like into mystics, um, there is one, a 17th century mystic, uh, Monsignor Louis Lanau. I don't really know how to pronounce French words. Can I see? L-A-N-E-A-U. Leno, maybe? Yeah, Leno. Leno. Um, he wrote a book on the deification of the just. Wow. Okay. Um, and it's, it's like his masterpiece, so to speak. I feel like um, that's a tough topic to tackle. Yeah. So he says that we experience this union with Christ in three ways, and they're not complicated. He says it's the union, union of love. Union of Eucharist and Union of the Holy Spirit, and the, so that's he also calls that a spiritual union. Um, and so that's okay. those are the three ways in which we experience Christ on the cross. So, unlike our Protestant, this is where like a major point of diff- of um, theology difference between Protestantism and Catholicism is that in Catholicism we actually believe that we are become we are being perfected in this life that. Um, we're not just being, it's not just like, oh, the Father doesn't look at our unworthiness. All he does is look at his Son on the cross, and he, you know, just kind of gives us a pass. Or, you know, that famous image of Martin, Martin Luther about du- being dung covered by snow, right? You just can't see the dung anymore. That's not what we believe. We believe that at our baptism, this process of deification, which means becoming like God, but becoming God, mm-hmm. or theosis is the same, you know, one's Greek, um, one's Roman, one's Latin, um, uh, or divine sonship is another thing, is that we are actually ad- adopted into the divine sonship of Christ. Hashtag Scott Hahn. Hashtag, well, yeah, it, it existed before him, but he has really, <laughs> he's branded well with that. I wish I could say sonship. Like he, he's I just know. got such what a buttery voice. Mm. Oh, it's like caramel. Yeah, in your ears. <laughs> but um, just better than what it sounds like. Yeah, you know it's great. <laughs> yeah. Every time I hear him, it's like oh, what a guy. <laughs> um, but that we actually become holy, not just in like oh, pretended like we're holy. No, that we are actually transformed, and through the work of grace in our lives, as we participate and grow in relationship with Christ through the saving grace of the sacraments, that we actually become a new creation, which begins principally at our baptism and is uh, affected throughout our lives in as much as we choose to participate in the saving work of Christ in our lives. So, I mean, this is, hmm. this is a profound difference in doctrine, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it comes just, you know, it's, it's biblical, okay? So, um, 1 John 3, verse 1 says, See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. That's, he says that is what we are. That's not that what we are like, but that, in fact, we are children of God, okay? 
um, that, that that if you really take time to meditate on the consequences of that verse, that is what we are. We are the children of God. We are the sons and daughters of God, like not in the same way that Christ is the Son of God, but that is the sonship that we are participating in. Right. Um, so that's a big deal. Um, another one, to which look- is why sin is such a, a you know horrific, yes. heinous thing. Mm-hmm. Right, because again, like we were saying, uh, you know, earlier in the show, is is that it it, it distorts and we're it, it's a horrible selling of the dignity of who we are right. for something so much less. You know, it, yeah. Um, Which is, you know, when you think about that, that was, I think, really the principal suffering of Christ was an emotional, mental suffering. I was thinking about this just recently how. Um, I was, gr- I became, I realized, like, I'm grateful that I've had my heart broken in my life. Like, there mm. are people out there who have never, never been in love and had their heart broken, mm-hmm. uh, because that's that was what you know. Christ is suffering in the Garden of Agony. His agony in the Garden, um, that he would love us individually. He loves Adam Minahan so much, mm-hmm. and Adam Minahan betrayed him, and that David Niles, mm-hmm. he's just absolutely in love with us. And he'd do it if it was only just for like us. Just like a passionate, passionate love, right. and that that I betrayed him. Right, that is his agony. You know, it's not like a oh, he's just really stressed out because he's worried about. He's not worried about the pain on the cross. He's experienced. Uh, I, I think. I think, uh, but, I think in, a, in his human human nature, he is sure he is stressed out. But about the that. real suffering was being acutely aware at that moment of every single love of his that betrayed him yeah and in every single moment every single betrayal right that that is the real suffering i mean because when when you're going through a heartbreak it's like yeah give me a crown of thorns that would be way better than this agony and uh, just like think about how pitifully we can love Right, right, yeah, and we always and like, we still we, we would always choose the or at physical. Least for me, I, physical oh, suffering physical suffering is, is, is way better than that emotional suffering. Right, you know where you feel like or men- uh, you right, just, emotional mental suffering. Yeah, yeah oh, that's so. That, to me, that's the worst. Um, I do the other uh, verse well, to look. Let, 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 let's co- cover this. Uh, on I just want to make it throw it up. People can go look at it. Second Peter fourteen is another one to look about for. Um, Theosis. Okay, we'll continue we're, we're this. Keep talking about on, it on the podcast. Uh, invite somebody to your parish for Christmas. Yes, there are a lot of Catholics That's that your never mission. never step foot into your parish. So invite them to uh, attend Christmas with you. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass. And cheers to Jesus. Cheers. I just want to give a shout out to my uh, to our our pastor. Father we have an Brian, awesome pastor, Father Brian Brooks. Who's been on the show before? He's talking about confession. A great one to go back. In fact, one of our most popular episodes. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. Um, um, yeah, I mean it, it. It has. I think. I think it is in our top ten as far as downloads. Really? Uh huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he he came up with putting business cards uh, that inviting people said you're invited. You're invited and gave the mass times for for Christmas and asked all the parishioners to take some home. To give them out. That to was people. their job. Yeah, I love it. I, I took I took a handful. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best. To and give someone out. said this re- recently, and I don't remember who I heard it from. So I'm just gonna pretend like it's my idea. Um, 
you know, everybody kind of gets upset about, oh, you know, because you've got your pew. I have my pew. Okay, I get it. We all have our own pew. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like people, sometimes people are like, like, you shouldn't have your own pew. But it's like, yeah, you know what? I'll bet you've got your own pew, Mr. Guy, who's telling me not to have my own pew. I'll bet you sit in the same spot every time. So don't act like you don't have a We're pew. creatures of habit. I have a pew. However, someone was saying like, hey, you know, this Christmas, there's going to be people who come to Mass, right? There's the Christ- Christmas and Easter Catholics. Um and we're happy that they're there, okay? So hopefully, you don't get to sit in your pew, right? Hopefully, there are so many people at your parish mm-hmm. that, you, you know, your regular pew gets taken and you have to sit somewhere else. What a blessing that, you know, that, hey, there's something about your parish that has made that many people want to come and you to. Get to get, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so if that happens to you, like, don't be upset. Uh, be, be grateful Right, I that, agree. That, you know, hey, these people, I'm, we're glad that they're here, and hopefully they come back, right? Right, yeah, absolutely, yeah. We want to be as hospitable as possible to everybody who may be entering into the Catholic doors for the first time in, in a long time. Because when people are surveyed, it's stuff like that is the reason why they'll go to a church once and never come back. Right. Because, um, well, nobody welcomed me. Or why, why is it that you left the Catholic Church and went to the Protestant Church? Well, I went there with a friend of mine, and I was welcomed. People right. came up to me, and it, it felt like a home, you know? Right. And so, so, many, so much of the time, when people are entering or leaving the faith, doctrine has nothing to do with it. It's, a hum, it's human it's experience. It's human experience, absolutely. Um, yeah. I totally agree. So, but you got to be conscious of that. I totally agree. So... Speaking of human experience, let's go back to the... Let's just wrap up some things in the Incarnation before we... Okay. And then after that, if we want to wander, we can. Okay. Okay, so I want to just go back to these. There's two verses that I thought were very good for biblical biblical backing up of this um, uh, doctrine of theosis or deification. Okay. Um, 2 Peter 1, verse 4 says, Thus he has given us... Though these things, his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may escape from the corruption that is in the world because of lust, and may participate and may become participants of the divine nature. Okay, so that you may become participants of the divine divine nature. nature. Now, your nature isn't divine. That's the thing. Your nature is not divine. You have a human nature. You are a human person. You are not a divine person. Christ has a divine nature and a human nature. He had to take on our human nature, but he did it so that we might... He became like us so that we might become more like him. Um, and so that in heaven, we will become gods, so to speak, with like a lowercase g. Not okay? Mormon-like. Not like the Mormons. Right. It's so funny when you look at some of these other um, religions, the things that they believe. It's like, you know what? You are reaching towards something that's true, but you you got it wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's also funny how every single, like, heresy or false religion, like, when you boil it down, they're exactly the same thing. They are all doing what happened uh, that Adam and Eve did. You will become like God. That's that's, That's what Satan said. You won't die. You'll become like God. Okay, so... You just look at all of these religions, and at, the, at their core, mm-hmm. that's what they're trying to do, become like God, whether it's 
be the be the arbiter of truth in their own lives, just like me and my Bible, I'm going to decide what's true and what's not. Or you bring up the uh, Church of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, they literally believe that um, if you live a good life, you will become God of your own planet. And that Jesus was just a dude who lived a good life who happens to be the God of our planet. You know, and if you, if you do well, you can also be like Jesus and be the God of your own planet. Well, it's like, see, they're also doing the same thing. They're reaching for this, like, you will become like God. Would be cool. Sort of. I, I mean, like, but I, I don't know. I don't know what it means. Yeah. I, I don't even know what, what it means. I, it doesn't matter. So, um, anyway, the, that you will take on, what, was, what, what did I say it was, like the exact mm-hmm. wording? That you will become participants of the divine nature. Um, so, that's the importance of the incarnation. That's what it means in your life. This is what it means to participate in the life of grace. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which we do principally through the sacraments. Um, so, free, like, if you're not frequenting the sacraments, this is what you're missing out on. This is, this is you know, like, uh, going to Mass more regularly. This is what you're getting. You're literally becoming like God by, you know, submitting yourself in, in reception. You have to have a, the right attitude. You need to be receptive of the gift. We can't snatch, you know... Uh, Equality with God is not something to be grasped at. I know, uh, I know someone who said that. And uh, so we need to just receive it as a gift. But it is a gift that, you know, God is desperately wanting us to receive. That's true. So much so that he died for us. Yeah. And then gave himself for us to eat. Unexpected move, I think. In the, like in the grand scheme of history, it's like did not see that coming. It's, it's such a beautiful gift. I think we should have, when you look at all the things that the prophets told us in the Old Testament, and all the things that uh, the Jewish people believed about the manna, it actually isn't surprising. You know, and I think that's why you had the Jewish people converting, you know, thousands and thousands at a time. But, you know, like, oh, God becoming man, okay, wow, big deal. And then becoming our food, it's like, unexpected. Mm-hmm. Amazing. It's like our daily bread. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? No, I mean, I think you, I think you did a, I think you did a wonderful job. Oh, thank you. Um, on the importance of of the incarnation. So two books to go check out. Okay. On the deification of the just by Monsignor Louis Leno, mm-hmm. and the life of Mary as seen by the mystics. Oh, and apparently, is it called the life of Joseph, as seen by the mystics. I don't remember what it's called, but if you just go to by Tan, Thigpen, yeah, Paul Thigpen from uh, Tan, the publisher of Tan, right. some good books. Uh, also, like the Vatican II documents, uh, are phenomenal in this in this aspect of yeah. understanding like uh, the incarnation and the importance of the incarnation. Uh, if you go, if you, if you look at Veritas Splendor, uh, uh, if you look at even the, the the book we were just talking or the encyclical we just talked about, which isn't a Vatican II document, but um, uh, John Paul II, the, his first encyclical, uh, really hones in on what it means for Christ to enter into the world and the history, like 
the importance of that in in history. Yeah. One last uh, thing. Um, yeah. We're going to be doing ex- Exodus ninety coming up pretty soon. Correct. Yes. It's like you think. Oh, you're enjoying Christmas. Uh, that is like the. I think that is. One. I'm actually very excited about uh, doing Exodus ninety this year. I am I not. Like, I am not very. I will just have to be honest. Not very excited about it. Ex- that, but you know what? That's not unusual. I'm extremely excited. I just feel like one major. Like I wish it didn't start during Christmas season. You know, but uh, January 9th? Uh Well, it maybe it's, it's not this it's year. Not the octave. Well, depending, it depends on um, you know how long you want to. Like how long do you keep your Christmas tree up? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and it also depends when Easter is. You know, right. depends on when it starts. But um, I'm not excited about it. But that's. Not unusual. That's not unusual. It's like one of those things that literally every day when I take a hot shower. That's, yeah. I think about. Soak this in. It's coming up. It's It's coming coming up. up, Also, you know what I noticed? Since I've moved. In my last house, the master bedroom was upstairs. I have become convinced that cold showers upstairs are not as cold as they are downstairs. Hmm. Because the pipes like aren't running through the cold earth, the like until they come right out of the shower. That they kind of go through the warm house for a while. Welcome. Yeah, I've. I mean, I I take cold showers, you know, as part of a, you know, my ongoing penance for my many, 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 many sins. And since I've moved, the cold showers have been like, oh man. <laughs> That is a li- that just bites a little more, I think. Yeah. So, I'm ready. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, I just I'm excited for the order. I just feel like uh, yeah. I'm I'm like just spiritually just uh, I'm just I have order, but I'm I'm ready for more structured order. Um, so I'm, that that's what I I'm just need more discipline. About. That's I just need discipline, discipline. Yeah. of my appetites. So I'm excited. I about mean, that. and I I. Also, like I do, I, I, I do okay, but I'm very they much, need more. I I'm need very more. much like you, where when we have rules set, oh, I can do them. Then I, I can then follow I, a rule. Then I That's follow no problem. Them. Yeah. If I so, decide to do it, I'm just going to do it because right. I decided. Right. I also, uh, I have let uh, just my workouts slip recently. Mm. Not recently, like the last like month and a half, I have not been really working out. Yeah. Hardly at all. I've uh, been getting up early but been reading and things like that, not working out. Yeah. And so I'm really excited about forcing myself to go start working out again. Yeah. So. Very good. Sorry, uh, Dizzy Lizzy. They, uh, they were online earlier. Oh, Elizabeth Schroeder, Dizzy Lizzy. She's the one who makes all of the uh, Christmas cookies for our patrons. What's her website? Do you know her website? She doesn't have one, but if you look it up on Facebook, okay. Dizzy Lizzy Cup Cakery. Cupcakery or cakery? Cupcakery. Cupcakery. Thank you. They're delicious. Check it out. Merry Christmas, everyone. Hi, this is Bishop David Condorla of the Diocese of Tulsa in Oklahoma. So let us pray. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired with this confidence... I fly to thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen.